Harry's House just won the Grammy for Album of the Year. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to the second ever Spin It Grammy Special. And welcome back to Spin It, the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is Connor. I'm here. I'm with. It's true, and I'm also here, so that means you are here with me. Live at the Oscars! So there's a couple things wrong with what you just said. (laughs) Whoops. First of all, we're not live. Second of all, we're not at the Oscars. Well, we could be. And thirdly, we're talking about the Grammys. Yeah, but we're talking about the Grammys while at the Oscars. Oh, yeah. The Grammy episode recorded live at the Oscars. Assert our dominance. (laughs) The Superior Award Ceremony. First of all, I feel like we should talk about how badly we kind of screwed this up. (laughs) It's finally here. You're right. We're finally doing the Grammys after talking about it for like eight years. It feels like a long time coming. (laughs) Uh, And also, what's this we screwed it up stuff? Okay, okay. Well, we'll get into the story. Last year, we decided to do the Grammy episode, not on a whim necessarily, but a, a few weeks beforehand. We were like, wouldn't it be cool if we picked the album of the year and focused on it for an episode? And then why not continue the tradition, right? So this year, I looked at when the Grammys were coming. You know, they were supposed to be on the 31st of January, they said, and for months and months, it was the 31st of January. So I planned a lot around this episode. We would record it on the first day of February. I don't know. Everybody I told this story to said they only ever saw the February. Well, the Grammys decided at the beginning of January to move to February 5th, which is yesterday for us. And I didn't catch that change until maybe the day before. It was like the day of. (laughs) The night before we were supposed to record, I I messaged Connor and said, emergency, (laughs) hop on a call right now. Yeah. And we had to move the Bambi episode up a week. So yeah, we we already put a disclaimer in the description. We talked about this episode coming before that one in the Bambi episode, and that's just because we had pre-recorded it to stay ahead of things. But now we're here. It's the real Grammy episode. We actually watched the Grammys together last night. The real Grammys were the friends we made along the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What'd you think? Uh, was that your first time watching the Grammys? No. Because I know it was my first time actually watching the entire ceremony, I think. Oh, really? I, it might have been my first time watching it from start to finish. Yeah, I've paid attention to winners and stuff. No, I've tuned into the show before. Well, it seemed like you kind of tuned out of this one a little bit. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> towards the end. I was doing some other things on top of watching it. So yeah, towards the end. Plus there was some songs and performances from people I just don't really care for, so I wasn't too focused. True. Some long songs this time. Some 8, 10, 15 minute tributes. There were some really long songs where I was like, tune in, be like, okay, this is what they're doing. And then tune out for a moment and then tune back in like 10 minutes later. Be like, they're still going? <laughs> yeah, he would actually come back to the stream and say, oh, this is still happening. But I think it was a pretty entertaining show. Pretty good night. I think it was pretty good. We had some winners. We had some losers. A lot of controversy around exes, Taylor Swift and Harry Styles having a hushed conversation. Saw a lot of clickbait articles about that this morning. <laughs> Did she really? Yeah. I didn't even notice. Yeah. A lot of clickbait articles being like, oh, it was great to see exes talking to one. And it was just a whole bunch of stuff about me and exes talking at the Grammys. That's Hollywood. 
for you. What did you? What were your predictions? Well, I mean, obviously, we had this album of the year race. Yeah, I pretty much uh, nailed that one. I had it down to that one and one other one. Yeah, you were pulling for Harry or, or Bad Bunny. You thought were likely winners. So I don't know about polling. That would imply that I knew anything about the music. No, because you didn't. <laughs> it was just that was my guess. <laughs> you were expecting, right? I was honestly kind of surprised when Harry won. So was the old lady that announced his name. <laughs> <laughs> she was, yeah, she had a great night. I was expecting it to be Harry, Beyonce, or Bad Bunny. And I I really thought it was going to be Beyonce. But not Harry, because you were surprised. <laughs> I was No, no, he was in my top three. I just really thought Beyonce would win over Harry's house. But I had prepared a little more thoroughly. I mean, last year's Grammys, like I said, they were kind of on a whim. So I didn't do much prep beforehand, didn't know what to expect, and they kind of blindsided me so this year i had the playlist down i listened to all the records yeah i remember last year you're like it'll definitely be one of these two and so i had done some prep on those two and then a completely different one one i was like oh well and look how good it was i mean we are was a great record it made my top 100 and we'll see how they compare at the end of this episode we'll check on last year's album of the year winner and this year's other surprising ones i think that wasn't what i was expecting there was the song of the year that was a surprise song of the year was a total dark horse i was surprised i think did you see her face bonnie Raitt won song of the year for her track just like that she was just as surprised as everybody was yeah i'd love to go back and watch that clip and see if there was like a moment hesitation before the clapping people be like what was that name <laughs> like what is that right did they say that yeah she beat out i mean first of all she beat harry styles and as it was she beat beyonce she beat kendrick she beat lizzo she she just cleaned up and i looked this song up on spotify it's got less than half a million plays interesting i listened to it it's a pretty good song I don't know that it would have had my vote were I a voting member of the Academy, but it's pretty good. I can see why you'd pick it. Did, did Willie Nelson win something too that was a shock? Yeah, Willie Nelson. We were like, there's no way he had like country album of the year or something like that. And then yeah, it was. Announced. That's right. Mr. 90-something-year-old Willie Nelson won best country album. There you go. Which I maybe would have given an edge to Luke Combs or Miranda Lambert just because Luke Combs' album is pretty popular and Miranda Lambert seems to win everything. A couple that I don't think were announced. A lot of them weren't televised. By boy michael buble won best traditional pop vocal album for higher yeah that wasn't on the tv and canto cleaned up for all the movie related music awards not surprising not surprising with lin-manuel miranda and and disney backing that i really did think maybe elvis stood a chance mm. just because it's it was newer well it did by getting nominated. Yeah. That's what standing a chance is all about, is the nomination. Also worth mentioning, even though Beyonce didn't win Album of the Year, or Song of the Year, or a couple other things, she did win a couple different Grammys and became the most winning artist in Grammy history. So that's an awesome achievement. That is pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, we'll definitely do a Beyonce episode because like I said, I've already kind of prepped half of one. But she's been nominated for 88 Grammys in her career, and she won her 32nd last night, which puts her in the lead all time. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. I know Adele won something. Easy on me. That got a vocal performance award. Lizzo getting something. Record. Lizzo got record of the year. That's right. And if you're curious about the difference, by the way. So every song, I I had to explain this to Connor last night, but for you, the listener who may not know, Every song has two copyrights, one for the songwriters who write the words in the music and one for the actual recording of the song. I think we talked about this 
before, probably on like Tim McGraw or something. But record of the year goes to the best recorded version of a song, while song of the year goes to the best words and music, the best written and composed song. So that's the distinction and how one song could win in one category and lose in another. Best children's music album went to Alphabet Rockers for the movement. So be looking for that for a future Connor's pick. Awesome. <laughs> Guess who just lost all their picks? <laughs> I just realized the older lady who was pulling for Harry to win, she's an older lady, probably a grandma, which means she was a Grammy. She's a Grammy at the Grammys. You're right. She's a Grammy at the Grammy who gave out the biggest Grammy. I remember we made a joke probably i think it was like the ingrid andrus episode way way back in the day about the grammy awards being where we just award people's grandmas for different things and we never did that but it was a good idea added to the list i think we've talked enough about the actual grammys we have to dive into harry styles himself yes let's talk about the album of the year we've talked about on this podcast seven other albums that won this award which was a surprisingly high number to me should i make you try and name all of them no please don't <laughs> fair enough i was so ready for this episode okay harry styles winning given that we're recording and editing this episode kind of on a crunch and you know this is like the day after the grammys we really didn't have much time to get ready yeah this album was on the albums of the month playlist for me in june of 2022 <laughs> So for perspective, that's the same time I was listening to the Monkees to get ready for episode 56. The podcast was still in year one when I was listening to Harry's House for the first time. Oh, you, because you were getting ready for episode 56, but we, had, we hadn't recorded. We, we hadn't really. Okay. Right. I was about to say 56 is year two, my guy. But then I, I realized. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I made a very clear distinction. But that's how long ago it's been. I'm Of the nominees, I was definitely the most familiar with Harry's House. Think about how many times we've doubled since then. That's a joke for the future. <laughs> so as much as I was like expecting Beyonce to win and prepared for that episode, I was a little relieved to find that Harry's house was the winner because I knew it so well already. But yes, let's talk about it. Harry Edward Styles was born on February 1st, 1994 in England. Happy belated birthday. The Grammy was probably a nice present. When Harry was just a kid, his grandpa gave him a karaoke machine. And that's kind of what kicked off his musical journey. His very first recording was actually an Elvis cut. He sang The Girl of My Best Friend. During his school days, Harry was in a band called White Eskimo, and he crushed a Battle of the Bands competition, which at this point has to be a familiar story for us, right? I feel like a lot of people have done that. When Harry was 16, his mother suggested that he give the X Factor a shot. And this is probably a part of the story that a lot of you know pretty well. You included maybe even, Connor. <laughs> what? Yeah, you were alive in 2012. <laughs> So you remember the craze. Was I? Yeah. He went on the X Factor and he tried to sing Hey Soul Sister by Train. But Simon Cowell, in classic Simon Cowell fashion, said, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, that's not it. Do something else. Nope, 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 nope. No. <laughs> yeah. So instead, he pivoted and sang Stevie Wonder's Isn't She Lovely. He made it to the next round of the competition, and that's where he got paired up with a group of guys. Niall Horan, Liam Payne, Louis Tomlinson, and Zayn Malik. Harry's actually the one that suggested they call themselves One Direction. And that was basically their golden ticket. They didn't win that season of The X Factor. They came in third, but obviously they went on to become a mega boy band after that time. If you haven't ever in your life heard the song What Makes You Beautiful, I don't know what you were doing again in 2014, but you really missed a widespread hit. With One Direction's first album, Up All Night, they became the very first British band to top the U.S. Billboard charts with their debut record. In fact, 
All five of their studio albums were pretty significant success stories. Midnight Memories, their third record, was the best-selling record in the world in 2013. And their 2014 world tour is the highest-grossing tour for a vocal group ever. They're also the only group to have their first four albums debut at number one on the Billboard 200. Which, as much as I wasn't into One Direction, I scoffed at them in their heyday, (laughs) admittedly. Wow. I know, but look at the success they had. It was a formula that was working. You scoffed scoffed at them i did that was just the way i was and and a lot of people were too back then if you weren't in the fan club you were rolling your eyes i remember i don't know if i ever rolled my eyes but i didn't really care about them either (laughs) okay see yeah same difference no big difference well either way in 2016 the pressure of being the world's biggest boy band was really starting to emphasize a lot of cracks in the group and they decided to take what they would call an indefinite hiatus. Although at this point, there's really no indication that hiatus will ever cease. And superstardom definitely took its toll on Harry as an individual, too. It really affected his social media usage, his mental health, his general well-being. He actually said signing a solo contract without some of the heavy restrictions he experienced on One Direction's first contracts felt really freeing. He says he actually burst into tears at the relief of getting out from under those contracts. But yes, 2016 One Direction splits up. Harry signs a solo contract with Columbia Records and launches his own label, Erskine Records. As a solo artist, he's put out three records to date, featuring some massive hit singles like Sign of the Times, Watermelon Sugar, Medicine, Kiwi, and a few more. And he's also toured extensively. He's performed at the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show in 2017, He took up a modeling gig with Gucci, and he made his acting debut in Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. That's not true. Isn't it? No. His feature film acting debut then. Okay. I don't know what the mixtaper has planned. The mixtaper's not got anything planned, but the mixtaper did see that the entire One Direction game was apparently on an episode of iCarly. I don't (laughs) think that's the same. He's been in actually a couple different acting things. He was in that, he's in the MCU, but that's more recent. Yeah, well, that wasn't a debut thing. He had some minor acting things, I think, before Dunkirk. Kirk. Sure, but his first, like... His breakout, like, major role. Yeah, was Dunkirk, and when Christopher Nolan cast him, he didn't even realize that Harry Styles was kind of a superstar. He just thought he was a good actor, and then was surprised to learn that he had this massive international fandom behind him. Harry also contributed to music projects like the 2018 film Love, Simon, and the sitcom Happy Together, which just makes me think of the Turtles song. But that takes us to his third and latest record, the album of the year, Grammy award-winning record, Harry's House. It's a really mega poppy album. And actually, it's the first experience I've had with Harry Styles. Outside of your scoffing. Well, yeah. I Yeah, I heard some One Direction singles here and there because you, again, just couldn't avoid them. But I was surprised how appealing this album actually was to me. It's this really funky, synth-driven, soft pop kind of record. It was not what I expected from the same mind that formed a fifth of One Direction, to say the least. <laughs> he wrote and recorded the album back in 2020 and 2021 and it finally got released on May 20th, 2022. So it was a couple years in the making. It was actually the fastest and best-selling record in all of 2022, and it debuted at number one when it moved 521,000 album equivalent units in its first week, which was the biggest first week of any U.S. album in 2022. It also topped the charts in more than a dozen countries around the world. The album's lead single 
and probably biggest hit by a good stretch as it was, stayed at number one in the United States for 15 consecutive weeks, making it the fourth longest number one hit in Billboard singles history. And Harry Styles is also the first British solo artist to land four singles in the U.S. top 10 at the same time. Unsurprisingly, Harry's house ended up on a lot of year-end best album lists, and he took inspiration for the title and the concept of the record from a 1973 album by Japanese artist Harumi Hosono called Hosono's House. When Harry first conceptualized the record, he wanted to record it as an acoustic EP in his literal house, but then he pivoted and he made it more of a metaphor and turned his house into giving the audience a glimpse inside of his mind. This is a little bit of a deeper meaning. He said, imagine, it's a day in my house. What do I go through? A day in my mind. What do I go through? I'm in my house. I'm playing fun music, sad music. I'm playing this. I'm playing that. It's a day in the life. It's also apparently a nod to Joni Mitchell's 1975 song of the same name and spin cycle connection that I'm really kind of shocked and excited to know. Harry's house features spin it pickle king John Mayer. He plays guitar on two tracks, cinema and daydreaming. I love it. Pickle King. I love it too. The Pickle King reigns. <laughs> oh, also, I guess we never mentioned at the top of the episode. Like we meant to. Yeah, just, it's just a side note while we're talking about Spin It Pickle King. We revamped the website a little bit and we added, in honor of the Grammys, our own trophy case to the bonus content tab. Filled with our own golden spinnies. Yes, every Spin It Award we've given out over the course of the show is on display in the trophy case. <laughs> And some of them are really good. They all have little descriptions. It's great. I highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, so Spin It Trophy Case, uh, live now in honor of the Grammy special. And as for Harry Styles' own trophy case, obviously it's growing and growing. He's picked up 65 solo wins on 199 nominations. Again, over the course of just three albums and six years. And those nominations and awards include three American Music Awards, five awards from BMI and BMI London, a handful of Brit Awards, and three Grammys after last night on nine nominations. Harry's House also took home the Best Pop Vocal Album at the awards. But, as it was, actually lost all four of its individual nominations, which kind of surprises me. And, you know, Harry's also had a ton of attention from MTV, the People's Choice Awards, and many more. The list goes on. Trivia tidbits, one that I suspect you'll already know, because you've already mentioned the movie. Mm -hmm. Harry Styles auditioned to be Elvis in the movie Elvis. He was actually a fan's frontrunner. A lot of people, when they were going through the casting for the movie, thought Harry Styles would make a good choice. But, I think rightfully so, the people behind the movie wanted to go with somebody not at all related with music. Kind of not even really too famous i mean austin butler you know had been in some things yeah but he wasn't like a household name certainly not not like harry styles and actually that's just what the director said they said he came in and and auditioned and did a fine job but they literally just couldn't give him the part because he was harry styles you'd be watching a movie and be looking at elvis just going oh that's harry styles as elvis whereas with austin butler you can kind of just be like that's elvis he becomes a window yeah and another tidbit that i love in september of 2022 styles finished a run of 15 shows at new york's madison square garden and to commemorate it he became the third ever musical artist to have a permanent banner raised into the rafters that's cool it is cool the other two artists 
with banners on display include jam band Fish and the king of Madison Square Garden, Billy Joel. Billy Joel! His ongoing 89-show residency at the Garden is pretty unprecedented. No one's going to top that. Probably ever, but at least not for a long, long time. And now we come to a moment that has been long discussed in the podcast. <laughs> As of right now, the mixtaper has yet to lose in, in the year 2023. And a lot is writing on this Grammy episode. I don't want to spoil any episodes coming out in the future, but let's just say this is kind of an important one for us. Yep. For me and for you, Connor, as someone who's on my side. Yep, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm on your side. Naturally. And now is the time that you'll have to step aside to the sidelines and cheer me on silently as the mixtaper comes in and tries to trip me up with some potential lies or potential truths about Harry Styles. And I figure out which is which flawlessly. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's me, the mixtaper undefeated champion 2023. Hello, mixtaper. Definitely haven't lost ever. So far. In this year. In 2023. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how long the streak continues. I'm excited for this episode and this round of Factor Spin. Yep. It's only our second Grammy episode, so you probably had to find a lot of these facts in a hurry. I did. Some good ones, though. Some good stuff. I bet. Now, I've been doing this thing, you know, since I haven't lost. I'm streaking. Yeah, we're, you're streaking. And there's a little mind game I'm playing with you, so I need you to pick a number, one through four. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm going to pick number one. Number one. All right. And I'm, do, I, you know, I like to do themed episodes every once in a while. And since, you know, we just had the in honor oh. of the Grammys, I thought I'd make all of these supposed awards that could be given to Harry Styles. <laughs> awards that Harry Styles may be able to win. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like this. This is in theme for the episode. Yes. Yes. And so our first supposedly true award, the Try Both Award. The Tried, Try Both Award? No, the Try Both Award for carrying an interesting item in his pocket for carrying an item in his pocket this is good this is very um we're making the grammy special extra special yeah so what's he carrying in his pocket does the name of the award not give it away both of something do you not know i don't know i can't say that i do wow try both is the slogan for twix twix left and right twix try both and pick a side marketing sucks I hate that I knew that. <laughs> well, you didn't until I told you the answer. <laughs> well, that's smooth. I know marketing tactics are one of your favorite things. Predatory marketing tactics. And nothing's more predatory than telling people the two halves of a Twix came from different places and that they're somehow <laughs> distinct. They are, definitely are. You can taste the difference. So now he's carrying Twix in his pocket? Sure is. Are they? Is there a left one in the left pocket and a right one in the right pocket? No, I think it's just that'd be weird if they were unwrapped, get all melty, ruin his pockets. Well. But sometimes they sell the individually wrapped ones, but they tell you whether it's from the left Twix factory or the right Twix factory. You're right. They do sometimes. You're right. This is just, uh, carries around Twix bars, his favorite candy bar in his pocket with him. So whenever he wants one, he has it. Okay. But I also would just like to reiterate, even wrapped, they will still get all melty. That's true. In the heat of his <laughs> pocket. So he just carries around Twix everywhere. Yep. Why Twix? Because it's his favorite candy bar. How often does he whip out a Twix and eat it? Is this like a multiple times? daily like i don't know if you're carrying it around it's got to be once a day not necessarily maybe you're carrying around the same one for like a whole week but then i don't know it's just like having an emergency twix for when you want it sure uh there's another piece of information that we're that you're not going to be able to organically get to because why would you but he eats it in a weird way too does he go from the <laughs> top and eat it like a you know how you, you normally you eat a twix end to end sure does he go in from the top he still takes individual bites out of each stick but he takes equal bites out of the sticks oh i don't like that so that all 
all the sticks feel equal and none of them get lonely. He doesn't like lone, lonely Twix. This is such a weird fact. <laughs> Try both award. Is it a real award that Harry Styles is eligible for? Okay, well, hold on. What about when he's on stage? The guy performs and tours a lot. Uh, that's, I don't know. I, I had that same question. Mm. My gut would say no. Oh, my guts also say a no. This feels like a spin. Oh. I don't think this is an award that Harry Styles can win. Hmm. I think this is a spin. This is a true fact. He's eligible for this award. <laughs> Harry Styles, no. You have <laughs> some twix up your sleeve darn you <laughs> i had more than one image of him eating twix that i found on the internet so oh that's that's young <laughs> he's been eating twix for a long time i think this is an older thing i think this is maybe something he did in his younger days i don't know if he does it anymore because there's a lot of older sources and it feels like a thing a younger person would do <laughs> carry twix yeah that's so wild i i can't believe the try both award <laughs> I can't believe he's tried both. He tries them both equally. That's also true and strange. Just eat them one at a time, man. All right, off to a good start. Two, three, or four? Two. Two. All right, this is the Cat Got Your Tongue Award. That's an idiom that traditionally means you're speechless. Uh-huh. People say it in like a an antagonistic way. Like, what's the matter? Cat got your tongue. Don't have anything to say about that. So is this him not talking? Knowing you, this could be the <laughs> cat literally getting his tongue. Uh, pretty close. Yeah, yeah. You know, this award is for biting off his own tongue. Biting off his own tongue? Specifically the tip of his own tongue. Whoa. <laughs> what is this week? Did he do this eating Twix? Unknown. But plausible. Well, it sounds like he's pretty meticulous about how he eats Twix. <laughs> so maybe not. It was while eating shrooms mixed with chocolate. So I don't know what chocolate. <laughs> it could have been Twix. I bet it was. I bet it was. <laughs> shrooms mixed with chocolate. That sounds like a bad combo. Yeah. I mean, chocolate's pretty good. Yeah, sure. So he's under the influence. Yeah. And I assume unknowingly gets that tip of his tongue. Did he realize? I mean, obviously, if you're slightly tripping, you may not think to go to the... What's his reaction to this? This was part of his creative process for writing one of his albums. Which one? This was back in 2019. Okay. Is at least when he was talking about it. Well, his Fine Line album came out in 2019, so it's probably that one. Yes, I think so. Because it was during an interview, he was giving a tour of his Shangri-La studio in Malibu. And he was like, ah, this spot right here, this is where we do mushrooms, lie in the grass, and listen to Paul McCartney's Ram in the sunshine. That's a very specific spot. Yeah, and he's like, over here is where I was standing when I bit off my own tongue while trying to perform. And I had to try to sing with my mouth all full of blood. Oh, trying to perform? Well, he was like, I think recording. Recording and eating chocolate? Well, high on mushrooms while recording. But you said he was eating chocolate when he bit his tongue off right i think it was like probably mushrooms coated in chocolate i don't well i mean okay it was part of his creative process i don't know what you want from me but what was his reaction he didn't did he go get help did he i mean trying to sing with blood and stuff that probably is pretty concerning yeah well you probably wait till you're not high on mushrooms anymore and then you go and you, you, but if you need medical attention yeah i mean you just go to the hospital like i bit off my own tongue while sober <laughs> How much of the tip are we talking? I don't know. I couldn't find a photo. Okay. Probably not much. No. 
Cat Got Your Tongue Award. What a ridiculous name and so misleading. Is this a real award? Yes. I'm going to say this one is real. Yes. It sounds so made up. It sounds so outlandish, but you said that bit about being in the recording studio and Mm -hmm. that makes sense that the tour thing is is a kind of believable story. That does make sense. Plus, shrooms is a bold claim for you. Is it? (laughs) I feel like you maybe would have just said it was an accident. I Yeah, I think I'm going to lock in that he can win and did win the Cat Got Your Tongue Award. All right. This is a true fact. <laughs> All right. I'm going to be careful not to bite my own tongue as I celebrate. <laughs> that is wild. Wild indeed. That was like a final ramp caliber fact. So you're picking the order. <laughs> I sure am. Uh, three or four. We're going for number three next. I haven't done chronological yet. Oh, going in order. Yeah. All right. This is the Fake Famous Adopted Parents Award. Oh, yeah. The FFAPA. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows about that. Right. <laughs> fake famous adopted parents. Let's start one word at a time. Maybe famous and fake should have been flipped, but oh, well. They're not fakely famous. They're famously fake yeah. adopted Yeah. Parents. So Harry Styles' real parents, I mean, his real mother, right, is the one that had him audition for the X Factor, mm-hmm. grew up in England with. And then who adopted him? <laughs> As I assume like a like a joke or a symbolic kind of thing to become his mentor or something. I don't know the situation. Uh, this is a good little spin cycle reference. Yeah. It is Mick Fleetwood and Stevie Nicks. Oh, <laughs> mom and dad are fighting again. <laughs> Mick Fleetwood and Stevie Nicks? Yep. They said, hey, and what is it like I described? They just wanted to mentor him and, and hang out with him. I don't know. Why parents? Why adopt Harry. Well, they first kind of connected in 2015, mm-hmm. and Stevie Nicks described him as the son I never had. Okay. And that he's McFleetwood's and her's love child. Interesting. And McFleetwood said he kind of treats him as his own son. And they kind of joked that well, we would adopt you if we could, sort of thing. It kind of became a, a running joke that he took to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he took it to the next level. Don't tell me that he had this done legally. No. Did take it to that level. That that's like the the next next level. Then it wouldn't be fake. <laughs> What's the step below? <laughs> So in 2019, Stevie Nicks was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. For the second time. For the second time, which we talked about. And Harry Styles was actually the one that like introduced her, did like the introductions. Oh, and got to give her the, present her with the induction. Yeah. And he, you know, talked about their kind of mentorship, the, this kind of bond that they have, the two of them, and so on and so forth. And, you know, again, the adoption thing had been a kind of a running joke between them all. And so alongside like giving her the induction he also gave her a little photo of her and him in a little frame and, and he wrote his name on there as harry styles nix oh like he's a fake adopted yeah yeah exactly cute bogus this is not true i think this is totally true about Stevie Nicks. Mick Fleetwood has nothing to do with this. Really? That's my assumption at this point in time. So I think maybe he could get the fake famous adopted parent award. 
but I don't think he's going to win your fake famous adopted parents award. Calling it a spin. Interesting. You think I've added McFleetwood to this? I do. I mean, McFleetwood was at the Grammys. He got up and played that cool little drum thing in his tribute to Christine McVie. I didn't see him talk to Harry once. Not that I saw everything, but as an adopted parent, you'd think they'd maybe sit close together or high five once or twice. Go play catch outside after the show. I don't know. Just didn't hear any of that. Fair enough. I'm going to answer this one by putting a photo in the Discord for you. Please read that for for the audience. Well, what you've sent me says, Stevie Nicks says Mick Fleetwood has adopted Harry Styles. Both members of Fleetwood Mac have formed a deep bond with the former One Direction star. However, this is absolutely backwards from what I thought. And, and you showing me this says that Mick Fleetwood is the adopted parent and Stevie Nicks has nothing to do with it. Oh, oh, hang on. Um, okay, go ahead and read this one for the audience, please. He's Mick Fleetwood's in my love child when Harry came into our lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something I never had. So I adopted him. Nick's told Rolling Stone. <laughs> okay, well, you sent me separate pieces of evidence. Uh, that's misleading. Darn you. And so this is a true fact. <laughs> that stinks. I, I thought I had it. Why'd you pull the rug out from under me like that? I didn't pull the rug like anything. It, the first one says nothing about Stevie Nick's adopting him. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That was a letdown. <laughs> I sent you the first one just to confirm for you that Nick Fleetwood was involved since you were so adamant that he wasn't. I didn't even consider you then thinking that Stevie Nicks wasn't. It doesn't say. She talked all about. She said Mick Fleetwood adopted Harry. Why wouldn't <laughs> she say we? Well, before we continue, let me just congratulate you on not losing this week. Yes. I put so much pressure on myself for this one. <laughs> it's all over now. But hey, at least now the pressure's off for the last one. Yeah pressure's off for the last one and so now it's time for number four it's time for number four which is the slow sky horse award what <laughs> like a like a pegasus <laughs> what's a sky horse how dare you <gasps> wait <laughs> i know this you do know this pigeons are the racehorses of the sky they sure are <laughs> you're not you're not about to tell me that this award means that harry styles lost a pigeon race <laughs> No, it's not, but it is about pigeon racing in part. I hate you. <laughs> we first talked about pigeon racing on the Weezer episode, mm -hmm. and then it came back up a few weeks later when you received packets of information from- Oh, those packets are in my hand right now. I figured. It's the Beach Boys. That was the other episode where we talked about it, because your unit for the Beach Boys is Racehorses of the Sky. Uh-huh. I was blown away when I found this, if I found it. You know, it could be making it completely up. Yeah. But blown away. But, you, but now you might be asking yourself, why didn't I just call it the Sky Horse Award? Because it's not a fast pigeon. Because that's not the only th animal he races. Stop. So he races pigeons. Are you about to say he races something slow like a like a turtle? Like a turtle. <laughs> the fact is that Harry Styles races turtles and pigeons. I want to be sure we're clear. Oh, there, there's more. <laughs> That was just all I felt like putting in the in the award title. He's a chronic racer. He has a big fondness for animals, and specifically animal competitions, such as turtle racing, pig racing, rabbit hopping, which we've also talked about before, I believe, on this podcast. Well, yeah, Elton John's Little Fit Bunny. I hate you. Uh-huh. And <laughs> pigeon 
racing. <laughs> I found this going on the deep dive about the turtles, and then it came up about pigeon racing, and I was blown away. I don't know what to think. How's he do? Is he good at these things? How many animals? I'm asking a lot of questions at once. So I know he actually has raced the pigeons and the turtles, and I couldn't find information about if he's just a fan or like likes to watch pig racing and rabbit hopping. Like He talked about it, but I couldn't find confirmation that he actually did those two. And does he have turtles and pigeons that he keeps, or does he like rent them? No, I think he just rents them because he doesn't have them. He used to have a pet turtle growing up. I think I found some info on that. Okay. That was also inconclusive. He does have a big dog though. But yeah, so that's pretty much the fact. Bunch of animal racing. The slow sky horse award. I'm really glad the pressure's off on this one because <laughs> I don't know what to believe. If it were just turtle racing, it'd be a little easier, but... Yeah, but then I threw pigeons into it coming back up. Pigeon racing coming up for a third time <laughs> it feels contrived what are the odds slim and you didn't have much time to find facts i mean we suspected harry would be a front runner for the grammys but i know you didn't start looking too far in advance uh, a little behind the scenes this was the last fact i found before we started recording oh while i was on this call with you <laughs> I don't believe it. But is it true? I don't believe it. You don't believe it. Going with a spin. My gut is saying this is a spin. Going with but spin. No, oh, no, but no, no, no. I'm going to go against my gut. Going against the gut. Once more. For the first time, maybe. I'm going to say that Harry Styles does win the Slow Sky Horse Award. And this is a fact. This is a spin. <laughs> I, I, I let pigeon racing get me again. He doesn't race any of those, but he is a fan of all those animals. Okay, well. And I was like, all those animals have something in common. You can race them. So let's... All right. Darn. This is your first. Oh my God. James. What? I have to I have to issue an official spin at retraction. I'm sorry? I got got by myself. What happened? I got so zoned in on the Mick Fleetwood part being true, I completely bypassed the fact that I threw in fake information to it at the last second on the Stevie Nicks fact. You did! You did! <laughs> the part about him giving her the picture frame with the last name and going the extra level was fake. I threw that in there thinking you'd believe it. Wow! I got so zoned in on the Stevie Nicks and Mick Fleetwood part oh, being true. Oh, I got my point back! It's 50-50! I was it's just about to say that was 50, the first time you've won 50. in a while. Oh, that's awesome. Which means the stakes on that last one, which were still actually on, you could have broken the streak if you'd gotten that one right. But I didn't know. <laughs> oh, no. Darn it. I had it sitting here as spin or fact in my notes that I could have gone either way, depending on how I felt you were leaning. And I felt you were leaning fact, so I threw in the fake information. And then you blindsided me with the, oh, I think it's fake because McFleetwood wouldn't be a part of this. And I was so... What a wild ride that fact was. <laughs> Yeah. Because first it was it was true, then you made it fake, then I said it was fake, then I thought I was right, but then you told oh. me I was wrong. But it turns out it was all over the place. What a roller coaster. What a wild episode this has been. To be clear with how crazy of an episode this has been, Harry Styles did win the Try Both Award and the Cat Got Your Tongue Award. He does eat Twix and he does eat his tongue. But he does not get the Slow Sky Horse Award or the Fake Famous Adopted Parents Award. However, he does love turtles and pigeons and he does have two of the Fleetwood Mac crew as adopted parents. Yes. So in a way, those two he doesn't get are still partially true. Are still pretty true. <laughs> that 
is really something. It's something. <laughs> what a week. What a mess. <laughs> but I'll be back next week where I predict I will win or not lose another time. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Next week's an extended B-side episode, which is probably what we said at the end of Hippocampus last week. <laughs> but that's when next week's episode was going to be after that one. So you have some extra facts for us and we'll have to see how they go. We'll have to see how they go. But get on out of here. Enjoy the Grammy episode after party. I hope there's Pumpernickel. Probably will be. Yeah! Alright, well, welcome back to Connor. Man, what a roller coaster. I mean, that got my heart rate up. Yeah. That was intense. <laughs> That's the first time he's ever given me a point back, I think. Good on him for owning up to it when he realized. I mean, I doubt you go and back check him after the fact. Sometimes I do. Oh. <laughs> I do spot check some of these. Good on him for realizing he made a mistake. He may be a dastard, but he's an honorable dastard. Yeah, with integrity. He's an integrous dastard, I think we've called him before. An integrous dastard. Yeah, one with integrity. Let's talk about the album cover. This album cover features an upside down living room and the photo was taken by Hannah Moon. Harry's in an outfit made by designer Molly Goddard who is known for designing sleepwear and pajamas among other things. It's kind of a kind of a boring room, I'll be honest. Very minimalistic. I feel like it's meant to be. It definitely is. Yeah, it is. And you could tell it's upside down not only because of the furniture on the ceiling but also the light on the floor, and the position of the window and the giant door. Yes. You know, I've been staring at this door. <laughs> yeah. Especially while you were playing Factor Spin against the mixtaper. I didn't have much else to do. Except for look at doors. Yeah. It got me thinking. It got me thinking about last year's Grammy winner. Right. John Batiste. And the coveted spin it, Golden Spinny Spin It Award that we gave him. Yeah, we gave him a spinny uh, for best rap. For best rap. Yeah, because the song's like Boyhood and... R.A.P. to clarify. Yeah. R.A.P. Other artists have gotten other variants of rap. <laughs> yeah, well, I just, I don't want Harry to feel left out. Oh, no. Well, I mean, no. You know, we know he's worried about things being lonely, especially when it comes to Twix bars. <laughs> sure. Uh, much as he eats his Twix bars, you know, equally, I want to award equal Golden Spennies. Oh, okay. I feel like as this year's Grammy nominee, he needs this year's version of the best rap album. Well, no, but he doesn't rap at all. No. And that brings me back to Doors. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, one definition of rap is rap music and rapping, right? But another would be like a sharp knock like you would do on a door. Like like rap on a door? And this whole album's been about, you know, it's called Harry's House. And like it's like he's inviting the fans into his house, right? And so they'd be, how do you get into a house? So we're the ones, we're the ones rapping. We're knocking on the door. Or we're the ones knocking at the door. Oh my gosh. We're rapping at his door. And so I think... Harry Styles should get the Sharp Knocks Spin It Award. Okay, best. AKA best rap. Best rap. <laughs> I can go along with it. Good grief. I honestly thought we were all out of ideas once we did best W-R-A-P and best R-H-A-P. That's the ridiculous one. <laughs> and best par for the best album that was meant to be played backwards that features rap. Yep. I thought there was no more gas in the tank, but boy, do you always prove me wrong. And now I have a full year to figure out how to get next year's Grammy winner of best rap. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> yeah, we've got something to look forward to. I like the album cover. I think it. you're right. It is simple. It's kind of muted in color, which kind of makes you, it throws you off your rhythm when you start this album well this this album feels like it is colorful and bright and involved and the album covers kind of the opposite but also i mean maybe it's trending more towards the lyrical themes which 
are mostly about longing and distance and separation and the the lyrics are a lot sadder than the music on this record as we'll get into yeah i saw a cool thing what's that on his tours right the uh like floor seating sections Mm -hmm. the in the pit section you know usually to help identify what section of the pit you're in they give him the pit different names and on like his fine line tour his pit zones were called watermelon sugar and cherry so you could be in the cherry pit (laughs) that's pretty good but as they got closer to the recent release of this album actually fans noticed that pit names had changed to kitchen bedroom and hallway were the three pit zones oh that's interesting that is really cool yeah and so it almost is like he's describing the stadium as his home because i guess he also has a thing with his fans Mm -hmm. where at the end of the show he asks fans to send him home to which they respond back with you are home so it's almost like is the concept here that like the stage is his home i like that is harry's house the stadium with all the fans and that's why this little bedroom is so minimalistic in and he's like pondering and he's like up on the ceiling because he doesn't he's not used to a space like this because this isn't his true home Mm, i like it i like it it's definitely an uncomfortable situation on the album cover yeah and he definitely seems very comfortable on stage Mm -hmm. i like it that was just some cool stuff i found when researching the album that's cool stuff indeed and we got more cool stuff to talk about with these 13 tracks Let's do it! Really? You're going to just say, let's do it? You've got a whole catchphrase for this moment. Let's spit it! (laughs) There it is. Up first is music for a sushi restaurant. Which I loved as a title. How many sushi restaurants do you go to? This maybe will shock you. Okay. Never had sushi. Whoa! (laughs) Sorry, that was shocking. That actually is a little surprising, for real. Considering you've been to a place with sushi with me at least once, if not twice. Yeah. Never had actual sushi that I'm aware of. You think someone's been sneaking you sushi? Well, you know how there's like the myth that like you eat like eight spiders eight in your spiders. sleep every year or whatever. Yeah, sure, but I don't know what the myth is behind how many sushis you eat in your sleep. I don't know, but maybe we should find out. I, I generally think it's probably zero. Yeah, well, that's how it is with spiders too. But that doesn't stop people from thinking it's eight. Over the course of a year, somehow I've eaten a whole sushi roll. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> I wake up with seaweed in my teeth. My mouth tastes like cucumber and eel sauce. Rice all over my chest. There's rice and sushi, right? I don't know. Is there rice and sushi? Yeah. But yes, no, like you said, I also love the title. He got the idea for this uniquely titled song when he was at a sushi restaurant and he heard one of his songs playing on the radio. He said, wow, this is really strange music for a sushi restaurant. And he's like, this doesn't belong. And so then he wrote this one. Right. And now there's literally no arguing that this is music for a sushi restaurant. And the next time I'm at a sushi restaurant, I'll be honest, I'm going to listen for it. It actually, he loved the idea so much. It was almost the album title. You'll notice he didn't say it was good music for a sushi restaurant. So you're right. There is no argument. Yeah. It is made for sushi restaurants, part of the title. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad it's not the album title, because that would make me not take the album as seriously, I think. Yeah, I think so too. After he finished Fine Line, he actually said he had preconceived some ideas about how his next album should start, but... When he wrote music for a sushi restaurant, he just kind of knew that it was right. He said, there's something about sushi that felt like, no, this is how I want it to start. 
it becomes really obvious what the first song should be based on what you play for people when they're like, oh, can I hear a bit of the music? It's like, how do you want to set the tone? And music for a sushi restaurant is how Harry wanted to set the tone. Pretty good. It's very poppy. Very, It really gets, your, gets you pumped up for the album. It does. But well, it starts off with that beat and that little synth arpeggio hook. And that's pretty cool. Yep. But then it comes in with these stacked vocals doing this really neat walk down with the chords. And I love that. The instruments and everything too on that lead up into the boo boo but do but do that ping pong back and forth again playing with the said enough times i should know it by now the pan in, in the headphones the pan the left and the right yeah do but do but do back and forth they said that cascades on top of the voices then layering over one with the ba, ba, ba. it's very disco poppy yeah yeah I, I feel like i should have an afro with like a shiny suit on you know with in rollerblades just disco dancing i'd pay really good money to see that do but do but do but music for a sushi restaurant debuted at number eight on the charts so a lot of people kind of share the sentiment that it's a pretty catchy song definitely top 40 pop style it's about a relationship told through the metaphor of sushi and and sometimes that metaphor gets a little lost does it (laughs) green eyes fried rice i could cook an egg on you green eyes that's cool fried rice i it loses me a little bit i could cook an egg on you (laughs) you're hot i get that that comes back so it's mainly just the rice well the rice part is strange but then in other parts like most of that focus is on sushi with fried rice and cooking an egg but then by the pre-chorus we abandon sushi altogether i don't want you to get lost i don't want you to go broke i want you because i love you in every kind of way and then he brings it back just a little bit with that just a taste line <laughs> so it's it's half sushi half not maybe he did listen he's just super into sushi doesn't want to lose it doesn't want the restaurant to close you know because then where would he go mm. it's not music to be played in a sushi restaurant it's music dedicated to his love of a specific sushi restaurant which is why it's meant to be played in a sushi restaurant. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. What'd you think about this little tiny scat line he does in the second verse? Scuba dooba doo. <laughs> First off, it's scuba dooba da boop boo. Okay, well, I just gave you a little taste. And I liked it. <laughs> you liked it. Good. I like it too. It's fun. You know, it does kind of lose lose me a little bit in verse two. <laughs> like, I was with it all for verse one. You know, I was disagreeing that he lost the thread. But then we open verse two up with, excuse me, a green tea. Then specifically drops the title of the song, Music for a Sushi Restaurant. Which is fine. And he goes, from ice on rice. Scuba dooba doo And then he just kind of putters out. Just all about music for a sushi restaurant. <laughs> he just says, music for a sushi sushi restaurant music for a sushi restaurant music for whatever you want did he meet this lovely person in the sushi restaurant that's why he loves it so much it could be maybe she's the like waitress or cook or whatever you have behind the counter of the sushi restaurant you have clearly never been to a sushi restaurant i i I clearly never have (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you know somebody's got to take your order or something not if it's a conveyor belt sushi place true somebody's got to seat you get you your drink maybe there's still something going on i don't know harry what is it i don't know i'm just thinking the excuse me a green tea could be like maybe the first thing they said to one another i don't know i'm just trying to figure out how it can tie in (laughs) just trying to make it make sense don't try too hard i think it's an interesting start lyrically maybe a little on the weaker side but it's a very very fun song and it sounds great he saves a lot of the heavy stuff for later in the album but as far as an introduction goes this is a great tone to set right off the bat heck yeah heck yeah and then the sushi restaurant closes oh yeah the (laughs) the night goes on in the sushi restaurant look at you doing a concept album thing again and then we move into track two and get some late night talking where things just haven't quite been the same you know maybe they sold they franchised they they got bought 
bought out by some corporate sushi enterprise. And he misses the old ways. Okay, you're stretching. This whole album's about this sushi restaurant. Gosh, okay. <laughs> well, track two does immediately dive a little deeper lyrically than music for a sushi restaurant. A little more substance here. Or at least, you know, a smidge. If, if the first song doesn't even scratch the surface, this one at least digs in a little bit. The rumor is that Late Night Talking is about Olivia Wilde, his partner at the time, and that's not the only song that that's rumored about. Oh. Yeah, there's a couple others. But as far as Late Night Talking goes, Harry says it was the first song that was written for the album. It was like on day one of moving into the studio and everything was still getting set up. And he said writing it so early helped them relax a little bit. He said it's a lot of fun and he's enjoyed dancing to it many a time. I like Late Night Talking. Yeah, it's another disco poppy one, especially on that chorus with the but up, but up, but up, but up, but up. You know, just it's so disco-y. It really is. Is that what you expected from this? I mean, knowing whatever you knew about One Direction? No. Same. I expected a more, I guess, modern pop vibe and again i wasn't sure if that was maybe exclusive to this album not having this been my only real like i knew the classic super famous one direction songs right right so i wasn't sure if maybe this was just a disco poppy album and the rest of his stuff was different i was afraid to look because i did enjoy it so much on this one i was afraid to be let down yeah i haven't (laughs) looked yet either and and i would be sad but i've heard i've heard people say that this is not his strongest album really yeah of the of like his three of his three yes okay So we'll see. I like the song. He talks about being in a haze and missing this person that's far away. And he vows to make things right when unexpected roadblocks come up. Weird things like a stubbed toe or broken camera. It is a little is a little different. (laughs) But I think most of the song's lyrics can be summed up in that pre-chorus line. If you're feeling down, I just want to make you happier, baby. That's pretty much it. I love the production on this. Some of those synths, the wavy style of it. It's a punchier song, even than Music for a Sushi Restaurant, I think. Yeah. But a much less punchy song that also keeps the synths going pretty strong is Grape Juice. This is the drink that he drinks with his sushi when he's at the restaurant. Oh, instead of a green tea? Like, he asked for the green tea, but then... Well, he said, hey, yeah, he asked for the green tea, but they were like, no, we're all out. So he's like, all right, I'll, I'll take the grape juice. The gra- yes, no, yeah, I guarantee <laughs> if any sushi restaurant out there sold grape juice, they would not sell out of it. You not like grape juice? With sushi? I don't know if anyone does. I don't know. Has the market ever been tested? No. Maybe we should do that. Maybe that, that should be a restaurant we open just to try it out. You want to open a sushi restaurant up with the guy who's never had sushi? That'll go well. <laughs> uh, we'd run into some roadblocks, but we'd make it happen. I do think my first sushi experience should be a conveyor belt so I can just go nuts. Yeah, it's fun. I like it. But the real the real kicker of this song is it's not about like Welch's grape juice or anything what it's like about wine which is still grape juice in a sense sure is does that go well with sushi maybe you're asking the guy who's never had wine i guess yeah we're talking that's what we're gonna open one of us has never had sushi one of us has never (laughs) had wine we'd make a great sushi wine restaurant I love it. I do too. Grape Juice is a storytelling song, much more than the first two that are kind of really these like flashpoint moments that exist in an emotion that you feel in an instant. Grape Juice actually walks us through the sequence of time, which I like. It's a a good shift. He goes to buy flowers for his significant other, but he opts for something old and red instead and drinks it alone. It's kind of a surprising twist, a new direction that I think gives you a lot to think about with this song. It's a slower, 
kind of song, it's not one that you're going to dance around to, but you can really get into the groove of it. I want to make sure I got this right. Uh-huh. This is like a I Miss You song, like we, we've broken up or whatever. I'm just, I was in, trying to interpret the, the lyrics off of one listen. Yeah. And you know, he says, yesterday it finally came. I was on my way to buy you flowers. Uh, but then he immediately follows it up in the pre-chorus with, but I got over it. So instead, give me wine. You know, wine's going to be, I can't get through without this bottle of wine, just me and the wine. Like that's how I interpreted the chorus. Oh yeah. You know, it's definitely a, a missing you song. And actually, yeah, yeah, maybe he does get dumped as he's like picking up flowers. He's like about to pay for him, about to hand over the cash, and then he gets the the call and has to change course. Yeah, and then there's like I pay for it more than I did back then, sort of line, which felt like it had some subtext going on there. That's what I interpreted it as off of one listen. Oh yeah, it's not a happy song. <laughs> yeah, well you could if you weren't careful, you could almost be like, "There's just no getting through without you." Is a nice sentiment, right? If you don't take it under the lens of, "Oh, she's not around anymore." <laughs> right. Like there's no getting through without you, and that's cute to say to somebody but then she's not there so that so now there's no getting through <laughs> yeah the without you has come to pass what do you think about his voice on this because he does a lot of falsetto and i know that's not always your biggest selling point says who says you a couple times i'm um actually i care less about the falsetto mm-hmm. and more of the like effects that they put on his voice in a good way or a bad way in a bad way i don't care for the effects okay well it kind of feels to me like he's singing into a cheap mic or you know from a distance like yeah. it's meant to be through I, well i th- i think that's the effect they were going for yeah but but it just i, I didn't care for it i, I like his normal voice in it. i think this song could have worked with just his normal voice a little too reverb before you i like it and i think yeah. the combination of that with all the really heavy hitting downbeats really makes it pop really makes this fun to listen to it's got a very like pulsy rhythm i like it and now we get to talk about the album's biggest song one that's approaching two billion streams on spotify and was massive on tiktok as it was every time this album was mentioned during the Grammys, this was like the song. All the time. It's also the song that Harry performed during the Grammys. Yep. And I've learned some interesting details. So you and I, we watched that performance together. And I said in the moment, I was like, what is that guy doing, you know? Or like we watched him almost trip as he walked off of the platform. There were a couple other moments that everything just kind of felt off or underdone or, or strange. I don't know if you got that vibe. Yeah. Well, I learned why that was. They've come out and talked about it. Okay. The dance like the music video for the song, features a revolving floor. They did a lot of choreography on this floor that spins all the way around. Uh And they rehearsed and they rehearsed and they rehearsed for like 10 days. They did dress rehearsal, got this difficult spinning choreography down, and it was awesome. Right up to the dress rehearsal. And then they came out to do the performance during the Grammys, and something, some wires got crossed, somebody flipped the switch the wrong way, this floor started spinning backwards. Oh! And so every single person on that floor... They had to try to reverse it? They tried to reverse the dance. They had to figure out how to balance and and do things the opposite way. Yeah. Because, I mean, 10 days of practice, like, that's... You've got it down in your head one direction. Yeah. One hat, one direction. (laughs) And and then, all of a sudden, it's not the same as it was. The engineer in me immediately goes to the fact that, you know, on a motor, if you 
you wire the wires, you know, one way, the motor spins one way. And then if you flip them, they spin the other. So it's like, it's almost like they were literally a wire got crossed and it caused it to spin the wrong way. But yeah, who knows? <laughs> Either way, that's what happened. And when I watched it back, it became very apparent that that's what it was. That's what was throwing me off when I was watching it. <laughs> the thing starts moving and everybody's immediately like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, why'd that guy just stand up by himself? Like, that was a bizarre thing to choreograph that way. And that's what it was. And that's why he, he bout trips when he comes off or when he comes back over, he's looking for a way to get up and trying to find an opening because the timing is wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, kudos to that entire dance team for just being absolute pros and figuring out a way to make something work on the spot. Now I want him to do another live show just for him to yes! do his dance the proper way. I want to see it. I feel like we've been robbed. <laughs> I know. Surely they recorded the dress rehearsal, right? Give us the dress rehearsal tapes. Rehost the Grammys. Re second Grammys. Give it to us as it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, as it was the song was actually the last song Harry wrote for the record. Oh. Yeah, when he composed it, it was a lot slower and more piano-driven, but once he tried out that synth lead that is instantly recognizable at this point, everything started to click into place. The tempo got kicked up, all of it. He says the song's about metamorphosis, embracing change and former self, and all that kind of stuff. He said, it just felt like the thing I wanted to be doing and the kind of music I wanted to make, and he calls As It Was one of his favorites from the album, which it better be because it's going to be the one song he's playing at every concert for decades. Yep. This is his Smells Like Teen Spirit, maybe. <laughs> the kid at the beginning of this song, the one who says, come on, Harry, we want to say goodnight to you, that is a voicemail from his goddaughter, who is the daughter of Ben Winston, a film producer Harry's worked with since his One Direction days, and actually, he's the executive producer for the Grammys this year. Oh. Yeah. Apparently, Harry gets a goodnight call every single night from this girl. That's awesome. And and one time, he didn't have a chance to pick up his phone, and this was the angry voicemail that she left. <laughs> I like that. Mm -hmm. Me too. It's a neat little story. And this song is all about, like he says, growing up, changing, and, and kind of trying to appreciate the past, but not dwell in it, you know, to grow from it and learn from it and move on. Because, you know, it's not the same as it was. To some degree, he wrote it in the middle of the pandemic, right? Referring to the way that everything had changed, and nothing could really go back to the way it was before. But then also he sprinkles in all this stuff about life changes, relationships fading. And there's a lot of background behind this song that it's easy to overlook. There's also a lot of color symbolism in the music video. Is there? The dancers, I mean, he's in red and his partner's in blue. Yeah. People think that might be a reference to the Matrix. Uh, my brain immediately went to like 3D glasses. Mm. Mainly just because of a track later called Cinema. But Right. You know, red and blue kind of sit at opposite ends of the visible light spectrum. Mm -hmm. I hope I get this right. I'm not going to fact check myself. Okay. Red is the short, fast wavelengths and blue is the longer, slower wavelengths. The blue colors have the short wavelengths. Ooh, got it backwards. Hey, just like that spinning floor. Uh -huh. Totally backwards. Well, it makes sense when you think about it. Like blue floor flame is the hot flame and that's because it's more energy hitting you faster yeah no yeah you're right well this has been a nice little segment of science with spin it but -da 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 -da. we're like stem <laughs> but it's science technology engineering and music music we have squirrels to do the other m <laughs> i think what our stem would be spinning talking the e's the hard one yeah it is 
I give up engineering and music. <laughs> just randomly engineering in there. <laughs> I like it. I like as it was. I hope you do too. Just between you and me, I hope as it was is your playlist pick. So that you don't have to pick it? That's right. There are some others I'd be okay with. And if I don't pick it, you won't pick it either? You got yours locked in? Yes. Ooh. But either way, there's something there with the with the color image. It's true. Yeah, and this is an interesting spot to bring up light. Because we're cursing it. Because the next track on the album is called Daylight. We're cursing the daylight. <laughs> daylight is another vibey song harry says he wrote it like a stream of consciousness and actually they literally did it overnight so that when the song was getting finished it actually was becoming daylight basically what happened was the band was in the process of writing a song and he says they were like we have to find a way to stay awake and finish this because if we all go to bed then this song won't turn out the way it would if we finished it tonight he said life and songs in particular are so much about moments in surfing for example sometimes you don't get the wave and sometimes the wave comes and you haven't practiced but every now and again the wave comes and you're ready you can ride it and so daylight was one where they just had to ride the wave i love it it's a song about a long distance relationship and there's clearly this physical distance that he's trying not to let grow into an emotional distance and i assume that he's cursing the daylight you know we can infer that there's like a time zone difference he's calling it all time staying awake just to spend what little overlapping free time he can with the one he loves it's an all right song all right okay yeah i love the dynamics on it how it starts really quiet and then kind of gets into this big washed out mess by the end especially the last chorus i just don't like the pre-chorus part you be the spoon i'll dip you in honey so i could be sticking to you ew <laughs> and i don't like thinking about being dipped in honey Ugh. i like that dip me in honey harry styles <laughs> i don't think he will i feel like he won't <laughs> i think he would i think if i ever was in a spot where the opportunity presented itself for harry styles to dip me in honey he would be all for it just off of what i know about him as a person really give him a twix <laughs> then he'll then he definitely do it i'll trade you this twix if you dip me in honey I'm just saying, you know, if I'm at a place with a giant pool filled with honey yeah. and Harry Styles is there and I say, dip me in this, he'd be like, let's do it. I'm just saying if the opportunity, I don't think, I don't know if he'd go out of his way to do it, but if the opportunity was there, he'd be all in. But then he'd be sticking to you. Not necessarily. I think it'd be kind of a Achilles heel situation. He'd grab me but uh, like the heel and that would be the only place not covered in honey. Oh. It's the only place that I can get stung by a bee in the future. And so instead of being dipped in the river sticks... You're going to get dipped in the river, the river sticky of honey. The river sticky. <laughs> and then a bee will only be able to sting you on the ankle where Harry Styles dipped you in. Yep, yep. And then one day, one fateful day, I'll get stung on the ankle and that'll be the end of Connor. That'll be it. Also, dip me in honey. Harry Styles is another great shirt idea along with smack me Olivia Rodrigo or whatever. I was thinking the same thing. It'll be part of a, a merch line. Smack me, Olivia, and dip me in honey, Harry. <laughs> Just keep those things coming, as ridiculous as they are. <laughs> I guess that pretty much summarizes our thoughts on Daylight and then some and after that conversation we just had i think i've earned the title little freak <laughs> maybe little freak is the next track on the album and it's a real scaled back song even from daylight actually i was listening to this song and the vocals and the harmonies here 
kind of reminded me of Hippocampus, which is really funny because that's the episode that took the place of this one in <laughs> our chronology and our sequence of events. Really? Yeah. It just kind of feels maybe not like Bambi necessarily, and that's all you have reference to know. Yeah. But maybe some of their other stuff. This one feels right at home. I'm a big fan of Little Freak. A big fan? Really? Yeah. In terms of ballads on this album, this is probably my fave. That genuinely surprises me. Really? Yeah. What about it? I love the vocal rhythm. I like the kind of layered reverb sound on his voice. I like the lyrics. The chorus is super catchy. You're talking about the reverb on his voice, like the same thing that they did on Grape Juice that you hated? No, because it's different. It's better here. Oh, it's better here. All right. And in fact, I was just about to bring that up and talk about how, you know, uh, this is a good example. Doing something wrong in one place, but doing it right in another and kind of comparing the difference between the two. And this one's less old microphone style reverb and more underwater oh it does feel very underwater yeah you're right and i like it and again just of course i was thinking about who you are delicate point of view i don't know i just i I really enjoy the chorus on this i think part of what it is is that there's no harmonies on grape juice but on little freak Mm. that vocal is layered almost the entire time i'm a big fan of harmony but also i'll be honest this and as it was are the really only two songs that get stuck in my head that i have found myself singing I've been trying to hold it back so that you didn't know that oh. this time, since I've been accused of letting it slip in the past. Who's accusing? You. Oh, well, that makes sense. I guess I am the only one here. It's definitely not the mixtaper. <laughs> also, I'm just not reading the lyrics to verse three. And we just had a, this ankle talk, and here he is talking about a broken ankle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see? You knew this was coming. And I really love verse three. Jumped in feet first and landed too hard. I broke ankle karma rules. You never saw my birthmark. Yeah, it's one of the song's most powerful moments. I like that a lot. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Little Freak. Me too, me too. I especially like, I mean, verse three comes to terms with how he's disrespected this person. And then that little seeing his birthmark thing feels like such a clever, sneaky little way to kind of simultaneously explain that there's both a physical and emotional depth that they just never reached, even though this relationship was going well for a time. Do we think that the birthmark he's talking about is his four nipples? Oh yeah, we didn't actually mention that, did we? We talked about it outside of the episode. Harry Styles has four nipples. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping the mixtaper would find it for Factor Spin, but he didn't. Well, he, I mean, Harry Styles is all the time walking around with either no shirt or barely any shirt, so I think the mixtaper just assumed you probably knew it. <laughs> How often does the mixtaper think I see Harry Styles shirtless? I'm just, yeah, you do way more research than he does for these episodes okay point taken actually i think the the nipples thing was even on his wikipedia page oh although apparently an extra nipple is not considered a birthmark no no different things oh styles has a birthmark on his hand that's a hard one not to see but honestly i kind of like that because it is so obvious it's like she never took the time to see the real him to notice the small details the details and the intimate yes a hand is like the number one body part that a couple interacts with right when you hold hands to have a birthmark in such an obvious central location for your significant other to interact with and not have them notice it is pretty deep i like that yeah it really is good i also love i mean the whole song is him remembering this past relationship but in the chorus he tells us he's not worried about where they are or who they'll go home to he's just thinking back on the good times and the memories and i really like that that it's it's a pretty meaningful moment in a song called little freak it gets surprisingly deep yeah i can't believe your favorite ballad wasn't matilda we're getting there 
I mean, we are there. We're here. Ah, <laughs> we got there. I'm also a big fan of Matilda. Okay, good, good. I am not surprised. Obviously, I think the guitars on Matilda are a really welcome change. Not that I'm like burnt out on the synth and keyboard-driven songs in the slightest. I just think it's nice to have a little bit of a, a new flavor enter the ring. I was about to say that I'm not surprised that you were a big fan of Matilda and you know calling it out because of the guitars. I know you're a big fan of guitar work. Ah, uh, I don't know about a big fan of Matilda. It's it's on my bottom half of the album. Really? Yeah, to be clear. I just thought that you would like it more. I do think I like it more than Little Freak. Interesting. I like that Little Freak's a little bit of a bigger, poppier song. I love the vocal harmony going on that you called out. I don't know, this one I think maybe on its own over multiple listens could raise up a spot or two. Mm-hmm. But off of one listen when you're just going from these big poppy songs like Music for a Sushi Restaurant and As It Was, the song like Little Freak as a ballad stands out more because it's more in line with that energy that you it's already built up to and then this kind of mellows you back out and so while it's a welcome change on the album uh in that sense it falls a little short in my memory off of one listen because it wasn't as bigger okay well this is the thing i was gonna bring up after the next track but i'll i'll insert it here because it's relevant this album the song order feels vital to this album and probably is one of the big reasons that it performs so well as the album of the year it's kind of got this flow to it uh-huh. where we have up tempo, then we slow down, then we pick it back up, then we slow it back down. There's kind of this inhale, exhale. Uh-huh. It's intense pop, it's slow reflection, and I think that keeps it engaging all the way through. We never get just one thing hammered too hard. Matilda is actually inspired by a real person in Harry's life that he's never actually revealed and has actually never even played the song for them. But he says it's disguised as the famous Roll Doll story of the same name about the little telekinetic girl. I'm sure most of you have seen the movie, Matilda. I like the extended chorus this song has in the middle of the song. Yeah? Yeah, because the first chorus is just a simple little four lines. Ends after the sorry for leaving and growing up. And the last one kind of does. But that middle one, he does a whole extra set of four lines. Yeah. Made it feel better, more flush out. The four line chorus kind of felt like not enough yeah thematically the song is about him reaching out to comfort this person who just doesn't have a place to belong people you know misunderstand her it's really tough to cope with and he says the song is an attempt to like be there for them without making it all about him if nothing else he says it just shows that i was listening to you that's kind of his goal for the song one of the sweetest most caring sets of lyrics on the album i i think it's pretty certified poetry about you know, you don't have to be sorry for leaving and growing up or sorry for doing it on your own. I like it. I know that they won't hurt you anymore as long as you can let them go. That's pretty strong. But then after this little exhale, the album definitely starts to pick back up again with Cinema. Yep. Yeah, Cinema is about the early days of a relationship. He says he wrote it because he wanted something more fun. And once again, this is another one he's never actually explicitly said, but people theorize it's another about his relationship with Olivia Wilde. And that makes sense to me with this cinematic motif because she's obviously a renowned actress and director. So him fawning over her cinema really makes a lot of sense. Uh, this one's all right for me. Just all right? Yeah. Again, it kind of serves as a good transition song to get us out. As you said, it's like a roller coaster, right? So it's like you start at this really high spot with music for a sushi restaurant and then it dips down for some ballads, right? And I almost view this song as where it's starting to rise back up. This is what preps you for daydreaming. It's still got some softer tone 
tones to it, but it's getting you prepared for for that rise back up to some fun songs. Okay, that makes sense. And it actually really does make sense that you might not like it. I think Cinema is the most conventionally repetitive song on the album. (laughs) It really kind of relies on these production tricks to carry the chorus and the outro all the way through to completion. I don't mind it because the production's pretty tight and it's clean, but this song feels a little lighter content-wise. And maybe it should, just as a fun boppy track after the absolute weight of Lil' Freakin' Matilda. Actually, one thing I do love, though, is the post-chorus part where he throws lyrics at us so fast. Uh Uh-huh. Tell me what you want and you got it. It, It's a nice contrast to the slower, less lyrical verse and chorus. And again, even though the outro feels repetitive, the harmonies are just pretty nice. What do you think about Daydreaming? Big fan. Big fan. I kind of thought you might be. Really? Because this is the one I was going to, I thought you were going to call me out on for being repetitive. Because a lot of it's just very short little verses within just a lot of ba da da Just That's like 60% of the song. Yeah, but that's the kind of thing you like. It is the kind of thing I like. <laughs> exactly. It's another really sunshiny, happy tune. I think it brings a lot to this record. It samples a song called Ain't We Funkin' Now by the Brothers Johnson. And it's another early relationship track. Kind of walks right on the coattails of cinema. Things are doing good. So great. It feels like you're just living in a daydream. And also, kind of like Daylight, a lot of day songs, it sounds like they're about to be apart for some length of time. So they're trying to make the most of the time that they're together so that they've got something to dream about while they're apart. This song does something I wish more songs did. What's that? Oh, you know, in the past on episodes, we've talked about songs that transition pretty darn smooth from a verse to a chorus. And I know it's not really the chorus, but I'm kind of the body yayas is basically the chorus. Yeah. Really, the living in a daydream repetitive piece is the chorus, I think. Yeah, but that's not why you're... Usually you don't count the background singer vocals as the chorus. <laughs> yeah, but we all know that the chorus of this song is not why you're listening to the song. Yeah. I wish more songs kind of transitioned in and out of verse, chorus sections by overlapping them a little bit Mm. Uh, we get some pretty smooth transitions but you don't get much overlap no and what they do on this one from verse two into the next bout of body ayahs as i'm calling them you can hear them start on the first time he says when you give me all of your love give me something to dream about they start and they get louder with each line to the point that then when he says it the last time he's like screaming it over top of these really intense body ayahs and then that leads him into his woo ah refrain that he does yeah while they're just going at it it was just a really great overlapping transition rather than a hard transition true yeah we haven't seen that a lot and i like it and i wish i saw more of that and the other reason i thought you'd like this song other than the uniqueness of those background vocals is the brass section holy smokes yes (laughs) i think that provides another really interesting opportunity to switch up the texture of this album like matilda did with the guitars or something it's just really working well for me to insert that little change right here so yeah i think as it was little freak and then the body yayas are pretty much as i was walking around work after listening to this the three things that kept popping into my head <laughs> yeah buddy yayas are, are probably a pretty annoying thing to be in your head by themselves <laughs> it was and it's great because uh, you know i work out on like a, a factory floor a lot so i can pretty much say whatever the heck i want to myself and nobody's gonna hear it <laughs> everybody's nice. got hear- earplugs in i'm walking from one machine to the other you know there's all this loud banging clanging sawing going on and so i'm just walking down the aisle going buddy to myself (laughs) like i have my own little music soundtrack as i'm walking around (laughs) it's like you're living in a daydream yeah look at that that's great i like daydreaming a lot it's a good track and it's actually the 
kind of the end of this second upswing of the album. The next track on the album is Keep Driving, and that one is another pretty significant tonal shift and slowdown. I like Keep Driving. You know, whatever bad stuff is happening in life, whatever turmoil the relationship's in, we're going to just keep driving. I'm also a big fan of Keep Driving, yeah. I like how he shows us subtly that there are all these ways the relationship is in turmoil, even though they're going to try and power through it. He uses these little subtly charged lines, like a small concern with how the engine sounds. We held darkness and withheld clouds. It's cool. He uses a lot of rapid fire little blips of images. I think he works really hard and he's very conscious about keeping the lines and syllables very short on the verses. And I think that's really effective. I I put this song in between Little Freak and Matilda, both in terms of pop intensity. You know how I was talking about how Little Freak was a little more on the music for a sushi restaurant as it was pop side, whereas Matilda was the more stripped back. And this is like right between the two of them. It still has that pop influence, but it is also more stripped back than Little Freak. But I also put it between the two of them, I think, in terms of how I like them as ballads as well. Interesting. Yeah, it's definitely got a little more swing to it. Yeah, the swing to it and the lyrics on this one. I like it too. Yeah. That's like such a big thing with cars, right? You're like driving along and all of a sudden it makes a weird noise you're not used to. And you like turn the radio off and you're just driving in silence, listening for that sound again to try to figure out what it is. Just checking. Yeah. And and you're asking yourself, you're like, should I stop and pull over and see what that was? Or should I just keep driving? And like applying that to a relationship where like something has happened that indicates there might be a problem. And you're kind of asking to yourself, should we just keep going and kind of see if it does it again? See if it becomes yeah. a bigger problem? Or should we stop? up and deal with this now and i just i just love that metaphor big fan yeah i'm a big fan too and i also really like the way that it escalates so absurdly on the bridge it gets almost unrecognizable in style Uh on that bridge and i I really like it the song itself is really short yeah at two minutes and 20 seconds the shortest track on the album but it's really pleasant and there's a lot to dig into packed in here in a way that doesn't make the song feel cramped or busy. Once again, kudos to those short syllables. And then, you know, Satellite's kind of a mixed bag, the next track. When we talk about slowed down and speeding up, Satellite kind of does both. Satellite's another one that plays with the pan. It starts when it first kicks in. It's only in your right. And then when the brass part part kind of starts to crescendo, that kicks in only on your left and then fills out in both. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't know how you choose to listen to this. Yeah, I'm usually a headphones listener. But you're definitely right. And that kind of parallels the motion of a satellite. Okay, well, we're going back to spin it science class. Oh, here we go. As we all learned back in our school days, satellites... These things that are out there orbiting the planet in space. The moon, for example, is a natural satellite. (laughs) It sure is. And there are a lot of man-made satellites up there that are used for, ding, ding, communication. Communication. So this song is another really clever metaphor about that, feeling distant from somebody that you're desperately trying to be close to. You're orbiting around them, waiting for this communication that's just not happening. It's just another really creative metaphor, right? Because like you said, satellites are like how we communicate. Without satellites, we wouldn't have the ability to communicate like we do. Well, we do have, and Harry Styles knows this, carrier pigeons. Oh, that's true. Modern day technology would not be the same without satellites. Pigeon, I'm waiting for ya. (laughs) (laughs) It's a whole different vibe. I like it, though. Yeah. Harry Styles, if you're looking for creative ideas, you can have that one for free. Call us. That's just a sample of what we can offer. Album of the year winner, if you need some creative ideas, (laughs) we've got a pool of honey with your name on it. (laughs) 
but anyway, back to the metaphor, you know, talk about how relationships are all about communication and, you know, like the number one reason for a relationship falling apart is a lack of communication. Mm -hmm. But yet another definition for satellite is something being remote, like a satellite location, you know, it's like a remote far off side location from the main location. Yeah. And so there's this inherent sense of loneliness and separation with the term satellite. So it, it has this cool double meaning. Yeah, it's pretty smart. I like it. Pretty good. Hey, I know we tell you to do it every week, but Harry's been doing it. He's spinning out, waiting for it. Spinning out, going round and round like a record. He keeps spinning. Harry Styles keeps spinning. It's true, and you heard it straight from him. I like it. And and apparently, so we have the metaphor side of things, but I also like the way that he brings that into literality, where he says he's having these doubts, right? Am I bothering you? Do you want to talk? And they have to, like, drink the wall, right? They have to drink all the wine until they're finally ready to, like, open up and just force some conversation. It's a lot. And I love the way that the song starts out really soft, but then by the time we hit that chorus, and especially the bridge, once again... It's really built up, just like the frustration and this tension that he so clearly feels in this relationship. Yeah. Satellite's pretty good. I wish we could put three on the playlist. Really? Yeah. This is would be your second choice? Yeah, I, it might be. I don't know. I like a lot of different songs on this record for a lot of different reasons. There's a clear favorite for me, which we'll get to when, when it is my time to reveal a playlist pick. Okay. But I think there are a lot of strong second options. There's not much you, you could pick that would necessarily disappoint me. <laughs> I'll find a way. Probably. Up next is track number 12, The Dozenth song on the album boyfriends it's a little bit of general relationship advice that he's passing along to a friend he says it's both acknowledging my own behavior and it's looking at behavior that i've witnessed i grew up with a sister so it's watching her date people and watching her friends date people and he says people don't treat each other very nicely sometimes it was one of those really quick just say what you think of boyfriends so that's what he does he just says what he thinks boyfriends take you for granted get under your skin and they're just kind of aloof and they misunderstand the situations that they put you in. Good a good concept for a song. I like the song, but I think by virtue of the song being what it is, it falls on my bottom half. I'm not surprised. This song has Matilda vibes. I think I'd still maybe actually put it above Matilda because I love the I love all the harmonies that he's doing. There are some great harmonies. Like, because this is again the most stripped back guitar heavy. The guitar comes back. It does. As a as a key player. But I think I like this one better than Matilda. It's a little less cookie cutter of a song than matilda is yeah i think it's okay also that intro is him saying fool you're back at it again backwards with the guitar and everything reversed underneath it it's weird backwards which is cool it is cool it's not the first time he's used backwards lyrics in his songs he did it on some previous albums too first time he's done it for me (laughs) so it is and that brings us to the closing track love of my life to the baker's dudgeon track yeah Actually, when Harry put out a teaser trailer for the album, he used the instrumentals of the ending of Love of My Life, but in reverse, once again, flipping things backwards. The title is a little deceptive. You know, it's called Love of My Life. You might think it's about a person, but it's not. It's about his home in England. He says, I've always wanted to write a song about home and loving England and all that kind of stuff. And it's always kind of hard to do without being like, went to the chippy and I did this thing. And I'm glad the song isn't that, believe me. He also says the song was the most terrifying song because it's so bare and so sparse. But for that reason, he says it's also very much in the spirit of what Harry's house is about. And he talked about his original version of the album concept as an acoustic EP, really taking things full circle on the last track. Another big fan of this song. Yeah? 
I like the intensity that it has. I like this emphasis on the bass and the way it kind of builds in intensity up through the chorus and then backs back off. I'm a fan of the structure of the song. And I think it serves as a good closer. It does. It definitely does. Actually, I think learning about the context behind what this song is all about makes it even more impressive for me. I think if this is a song about a person, it kind of falls a little flat. But knowing that it's about his hometown and kind of this tribute that he's worked really hard to craft, I, I think that makes it feel a little better. Yeah. But I guess that's it. That's that's the end of Harry's house. We've come to the back door. Sure have. You know what that means. Time for final spin. Time for final spin. Let's talk scores. Musically, oh, this album is so fun. I know you only talked about three, but for me, so many of these songs get stuck in my head. I listened to this album four or five times since it won the Grammy and we recorded this episode. That's awesome. I really enjoy it. I'm excited to give this one another listen. As you should be. You'll probably, I bet you'll like it even better second time around. The music, yeah, it's pop. It's top 40 pop. Pop. But as far as top 40 pop goes, it's pretty good. I like the way that the album, maybe it's more of a vibe thing, the way it breathes from fast to slow songs and back. Uh, but I mean, also, it's pretty telling that he's got some musical talent to be able to write songs like that that fit together well enough to make a whole record. I'm giving music a 90. A lot of good melodic work here. A lot of really cool harmonies. The lyrics are a bit of a different story. We pointed out some of the highlights, but I do think a lot of the lyrics kind of leave a little bit to be desired. They're short songs, they're poppy songs, so you're meant to be able to grab on quick and easy if you want to. So there's not always a lot of depth. I think the, the times where he does choose to explore deeper go really well, but some songs, you know, are okay. At the end of the day, I mean, cool metaphors and stuff, but some lyrics fall a little flat. Giving them an 85, that's this album's lowest score. Spoiler alert. Wow. Instruments in production are so good. I love the way that they vary it up, I think, just enough to keep everything engaging. Very much so. And it's tight. This is a clean album. I don't think you'll find many instances where you go, oh, that sounds bad, which is impressive. I'm giving Instruments in Production a 92. And put all that together, overall vibe, this is the album of the year. Yeah. Uh, granted, you could make a case for a lot of other albums, but I think that fact in itself speaks to the vibe of this album. Obviously, a lot of tracks from it have blown up as singles. Harry Styles is like a superstar in the world right now. And I think it's a pretty fun album. It, it manages to get depth where it needs it, but also keeps things fun. There are moments you can dance and moments you could theoretically cry. I'm giving this album a 93 for vibe, which makes its overall score a 90.3 and lands it at number 77. 77, so did break top 100. How did do now? How's that compared to last year's winner? That's a great question and one I was going to ask you as well, but we'll get to that in a minute. For me, John Batiste's We Are is above Harry's house, but not by much okay. at number 61. It's got a 91.1. And the main differences, I think, are that John Batiste has an edge slightly in music and lyrics, uh -huh. but Harry's house really excels in its production with those cleaner, tighter vibes and some really cool instrumental decisions. They both have the same vibe. Those both got 93. So it's a close race for these albums of the year, but John Batiste stayed on top this time. I've done something interesting. Okay. First off, I'd like to see what you'll let me get away with. <laughs> That's always a dangerous question. What will I let you get away with? <laughs> Yeah, well, normally, when I take more than my allotted Connor top three, plus Connorable mention, that means I have to take one from the next recording. Son of a gun. But the next so one's already recorded, so I feel like I should be able to get away with it. We're ahead a little bit. 
It is the Grammy special, so maybe I should let you do something a little special. I, I don't want to just take full advantage of that, right? And so what I've actually done here, now what I think would be an interesting, you know, special way to do my favorites, I've just broke the album up into four tiers. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so I think it would be interesting just to tell you which songs were in which tiers. Sure, I'm up for something new. It's a special episode. So let's start with your lowest tier. My lowest tier. So because there's 13 tracks, mm-hmm. it was weird to try to evenly split it. The top tier and bottom tier have four and five tracks sure and then the middle two tiers each have two all right so what's that lowest tier of songs i guess it includes matilda not that that's the album order necessarily but i'm thinking that's at your bottom yeah in album order it goes grape juice whoa daylight whoa matilda cinema and boyfriends are my bottom five and i i think calling it like c tier is a bit harsh because it's not like it's a c tier song it's just the bottom grouping of songs some of that surprises me i liked everything else better (laughs) i would disagree with a few of those daylight and grape juice are my biggest qualms with that i almost could move daylight up to b tier but then that would uh, you know what we will screw it daylight can go up a tier it's your own thing it doesn't throw off anything well it it throws it off for me personally i don't like that it's uneven but here we are we're gonna bump daylight up okay so what else is in the b tier got three tracks late night talking oh daylight and satellite interesting choices which brings us to a tier which is two tracks music for a sushi restaurant and keep driving okay so then wow little freak made it all the way to your top tier it did i'm a big fan of it my st year tracks were as it was little freak daydreaming and love of my life so if i was stuck with just my normal connor top three plus carnival mention it would have been those four a little surprising <laughs> yeah interesting what's that playlist pick though that's a tough one well since mine is locked in i don't i what what is yours i want to see if you can guess it i've Tried to be ambiguous about it. Part of me is worried it's grape juice with how much you've disagreed with. with well, me. I do disagree with your thoughts on grape juice, but it is not grape juice. But And it's not as it was, huh? It's not as it was, no. I don't know. Is it late night talking or music? Is it's it one an of the first- easy pick for late night talking. In my mind, no question. This obviously gets overshadowed by as it was, but I think late night talking has a lot of merit just on its own weight. I think it's the best song on the album. It's a good song. As it was, maybe it's just overplayed. It's also really good, but I think Late Night Talking is it for me. For me, as it was, is maybe a bit overplayed. For me, it's the instruments and that hook, the ba ba ba, is all it's really got going. Well, that's all it needs going for it. That's all it really needs to make it into my S tier. It's a great song. I don't know if I want it for the playlist. I could take any of my top four, my S tier. I mean, that's literally true. Love of My Life it has that great intensity and got the body yayas. It's hard to pass up a body yaya. I don't know what I want. I think I'm gonna put as it was on the playlist. Okay. I think it fits the playlist best. But boy, is every single other one of my S tier songs going on my personal playlist. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not that's not often though. You don't always take songs to to make them your own. There are some albums we have done that not a single song from the album's gone on my personal playlist. <laughs> Shocker. Well, that sounds like this album's not getting a one. First off, I'll do it just to prove you wrong. Be careful what you wish for. Sounds like this album may be getting a one. <laughs> I'm a big fan of this album. You know, when I arbitrarily chose this one to be the winner, I agree with uh, I agree with myself. I think this was the right choice. Good for you. 
Okay. Uh, I'm glad this was the one that won. I didn't listen to the whole album. There's the chance we do a future episode on it. But I did just go do a quick sampling of some of the other ones to kind of see. A little bit of Renaissance. A little bit of Un Verano Scene T. I just kind of went to them and found the most played songs. This was the winner. So what you're saying is you listen to Moscow Mule and Break My Soul. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. As for my score. Let's see what you got. This one's getting eight dips into the river sticky out of 10. Nice. <laughs> dips into the river sticky. Eight of them. That might be enough to make you invincible. Yeah. To bee stings. Except on the ankle. I think I'm, in my head now, I'm getting skewed. <laughs> you and I, we've had some nines recently that's been skewing my perception. Eight is a pretty good score from you. Spoiler alert. I've had a couple nines pop up. I didn't say which ones, but we had a couple nines. And so now you're like, oh man, an eight? You feel like you you failed. No, I, yeah. Well, the Grammys would have been the ones that failed. I didn't pick this. You're right. I mean, I was going to pick this eventually. But now it's kind of off my chest. It's off my plate. Now, I also have to point out John Batiste got an eight. Sure did. So your placement of this album is particularly important. Sure is. And it is going right under John Batiste. Just like mine. Wow. Well, yours has a little degree of separation. Sure. But of the albums that we've done on the podcast and of the Grammy winners especially, we put the albums of the year in the same order. And it's for pretty much the exact same reason. I think John Batiste gets that slight edge for lyrics and music. Yeah, obviously I agree because you said that you agreed with me so (laughs) and so that's where it's going well great this was a good this felt like a special grammy special i think we did a lot to make this episode really fun i think we did too and it makes me feel a little bad for john batiste because we didn't know what we were doing a year ago in terms of grammy specials yeah well now we've learned and improved and stuff just think about what we'll do for next year's grammy winner that's something for all you aspiring grammy winning artists out there to look forward to you know you do well enough to earn album of the year at the grammys you might get a special super special spin it episode of your own just for you and see the ways that connor stretches the laws of linguistics to give you some <laughs> kind of best rap trophy also speaking of it's a great time to re-mention that our website now features our spin it trophy case with all the previous spinnies that we've awarded to people check it out everyone from billy joel i mean to present and beyond not everyone few receive spinnies but the, the notable ones do you'll remember some of them from favorite episodes or you just gotta pop in and see it's under the bonus content tab at www.spinitpod.com but did you already call out all the socials and everything no no i didn't i wasn't paying attention to you i know it's okay you were too busy admiring the trophy case i was daydreaming yeah bayada. <laughs> if you're looking for more spin it content and i know you are you can find us on instagram at spin it pod official on twitter at spin it pod and depending on shipping times we either just did or are just about to do a very exciting spin it pod live stream on twitch that you won't want to miss. It'll be unlike anything else we've ever done, and it'll be so much fun. Oh, it's it's going to be great. You definitely want to tune in for that if we haven't done it. And if we have, go check out the VOD. The VOD will be on the YouTube channel and Twitch. I'm just so excited. I've been waiting for weeks. Anyway, that's all I've got. So don't be spinning out waiting on us like Harry Styles is. Instead, just keep, keep spinning. spinning. So I've been thinking about what STEM could stand for. Did you find something for the E? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I, I What I've come up with is STEM stands for spinning, tangents, ear smiles, music. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Look out for the upcoming STEM merch line. <laughs> <laughs> Ba-da-da-ya, ba-da-da-ya.